Brian Smith here, and welcome to the Dream Path Podcast, where I try to get inside the heads of talented creatives from all over the world. My goal is to demystify and humanize the creative process and make it accessible to everyone. Now let's jump in. Jason Moore, welcome back to the Duocast. It is Inauguration Day, and uh, we're going to be launching this a week after Inauguration Day, so hopefully everything goes okay. Jason, have you watched any of the um, activities today in Washington, D.C.? I sure have. uh, I didn't catch the inauguration this morning, uh, but I rewatched it. Then I saw the parade and his first duties in office, uh, executive order signing. Yeah, it's it feels like you know we're going back to the old boring politics, the old boring president, and I like that. Yeah, I saw a tweet today about a, um, and that's where I get most of my news is Twitter. Biden said to his staff, one of the first things he told his staff was, "If any of you don't talk respectfully to your coworkers, I'm going to fire you on the spot." Right on. And I was like, "Yeah, that's a nice tone to set." <laughs> we are going to be kind to each other first and foremost. That's right. And set a morale in the White House that allows people to feel good about where they work. Yeah, not only that, but it's it's going to be no more bullshit. <laughs> you said it very succinctly. No more bullshit. I think that's what Joe wants. I think that's what the country wants. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe we can start off these dual casts without commiserating about how uh, bad things are or how scared we are, worried that our democracy is falling apart around us. I totally agree. I think we finally get to maybe not even have to talk politics at all. That's right, man. This is not a political podcast. No, we don't have to talk about it. I mean, unless something really devastating happens or if something great happens, we can talk about that. But, you know, we're not going to be worried and feel pushed up against the wall by previous administration. Right. That's all gone now. So let's talk about something pretty cool. Rebecca Metz. What'd you think of that interview? She seems like a really cool lady. And I really liked how insightful she was. I loved the advice that she gave uh, to young people. And I really appreciate actors that are kind of old school actors. They've kind of went through the, the proper chain of training, you know, the old theater into acting school and, um, you know, making her way into the TV business and keeping friends along the way with casting agents. I think that it's helped her stay working, and she's a, she's a great actress. Yeah, I appreciate practical advice from guests, and that's what I've been trying to extract from some of these interviews is something concrete that people who want to get into the industry can take away from that interview and use to help them on their creative journey. Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah, I really found that her work on the series Marin was the most fun to talk about for me. Because I'm a huge fan, as you know, Jason, of Mark Marin and the WTF podcast. And it's kind of what inspired me to start this podcast is just how great that show is and what he's been able to do with that podcast. And here she is working on Marin's IFC series, doing great comedy work and also working with one of the most incredible indie directors in the last 20 years, Lynn Shelton. So it's fun to hear little anecdotes and stories about her work with those people like Mark and and Lynn. And one of the most rewarding parts of this podcast is talking to people that are in that orbit or in that universe that I admire so much. Yeah, me too. She's and not only that, but she was hilarious. She got you laughing so many times. 
Yeah, that's always fun when a guest is able to make me laugh and then, you know, your makes your editing job a little more difficult because I'm so loud into the mic, you have to turn down the levels and stop the cracking and popping. You need to earn your your keep somehow. <laughs> Not a problem. It adds a lot of energy to the show, so I like it. Yeah, that was fun. Maybe when she finishes season five of Better Things, we can talk to her again and check in, see how she's doing. I hope so. Hey, Jason, did you get my invitation to Clubhouse the other day? I did. I'm not exactly sure what that is yet. It looks like a video, like you can do a video chats, real quick video chats. I haven't had a, a chance to download it or check it out yet. But yeah, I did get it. Yeah, it's not video. It's only audio. Oh, okay. And Clubhouse, I want you to join. It's invite only for now. Just started in late December, I think. This is an app that I have been just scratching the surface of over the last week or two. And it's hard to describe what it is, but when you join, you have the option of entering rooms where other people are talking. And usually the rooms have subjects that are attached to them. So you can see what the room is about before you go in. And every kind of subject that you can think of is in this app. You've got social media influencers. I was in a room with Paris Hilton the other night. Nice. You've got people talking about advertising and networking. And I think that there's probably going to be a lot of growth with this app that just started to the point where it might be the next Facebook and also have none of the awful elements of Facebook. Perfect. So basically, everything that is great about social networking in terms of connecting with people and learning things and sharing ideas can be shared on Clubhouse in a very functional, healthy way. Trolls are kicked off the platform forever. <laughs> I did not hear or see any political discussions happening in the groups that I was in. And I was like, wow, this is really a neat place to be. The problem with Clubhouse, as I see it, is that all of the people I follow, and I follow probably 50 or 60 people on Clubhouse, you get a notification every time they open a room or they get into a room and they're talking with someone. And uh, what I've noticed is that they're in these rooms all the time. There are rooms that have gone on for weeks without stopping. I was in a room the other night that had been going on for 56 hours straight. <laughs> wow. There were people in the room that were like, uh, I got to go to bed. I've been up for 12 hours straight in this room, not just up. <laughs> But I've been in this room for 12 hours and I need to go. Damn. And so it's kind of addictive, but I want you to check it out and see if there might be some audio file groups or recording groups that you could talk to and network and get to know some folks in the industry. That sounds good. I'll have to check it out. I didn't know exactly what that was. And now that I do, it's definitely got my, got my interest. So uh, have you watched Cobra Kai yet on Netflix? I watched a trailer. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't get to it. Um, Odessa's, you know, kind of watches her shows at night and stuff like that. I've been doing house stuff for the last couple of days. I haven't had time to check it out, but I, I want to. It looks interesting. Well, it's not just interesting. It's actually part of our history. We come from a Karate Kid era. Oh, yeah. And I don't know about you, but when I came out of the Karate Kid movie in the mid-80s, I can't remember what year it actually came out, but... I think it was 84. I was doing roundhouse kicks, or trying to do roundhouse kicks anyway, right out of that theater. <laughs> I was so inspired to take karate. I don't think I ever did, though. I don't <laughs> think I, I had the discipline. 
I didn't have the discipline to do it. Plus, I was in dance lessons, ballet, tap dance, ballroom, <laughs> totally uh, the opposite end of the spectrum of karate. But the show taps into something so nostalgic, and it is just as cheesy as the previews seem. <laughs> so when you're looking at the previews and you're like, dude, this, this is really bad. Like, this has to be awful. <laughs> well, you have to push yourself past the point where you realize, yes, this is cheesy. This is campy. But once you get past that and you accept it, you start to realize this is actually a very well-told story. Right. What it is, is it picks up on the Karate Kid characters today. So you've got Ralph Macchio, you've got the villain, and I forget his name. Johnny is his name in the series, but it picks up where they are today. Right. And it is a very compelling story, but cheesy. Still, the way it's done, the music that they choose, <laughs> the dialogue, the situations that they get themselves into, it's very 80s. But that's what's so beautiful and lovely about the series. And so I am at the very end of season one. I have friends who have binge watched all three seasons in like a weekend. Wow. And they've talked about it on Facebook. So I, I just don't have the time to binge anything. I'm kind of looking at it half an hour here, 20 minutes there when I can. Usually when I'm working out, I'll watch it. But it's just a fantastic series for people of our generation that may have forgotten about Karate Kid. And here what they've done is made it fresh, made it contemporary, kind of, but also still held on to that 80s essence, that 80s cheese. <laughs> And, and we all have that in us, right? Oh, yeah. We all still have a little bit of that 80s ethos swirling around inside of our brains. So I strongly encourage my audience, uh, especially if you're from our generation, which is if you're a child of the 70s and you came up in the 80s, you will appreciate Cobra Kai. I might check it out. I'll be honest with you. I'm not a big TV guy, but I, you know, you make it sound interesting. You make it sound more interesting than the trailer did. Well, I tried my best with you, Jason. Um, <laughs> if that's not going to sell it, I don't know what is. But yeah, it's, you know, I might give it a shot. Yeah. So I was just about a half an hour ago, I was just finishing up watching a, a live stream from NAM. Oh, man. And as you know, I have been invited again to be part of the press and the, the media for the NAM show down in uh, Orange County, California, which is now online, of course, because of COVID. That's right. And I wanted to share with you, Jason, that next year we have to get you press credentials for this thing. We have to. It is amazing. Oh, man, I want to go. I really want to go. It is so amazing what they're doing. And the online experience is actually a lot more fulfilling for me and easier than the in-person experience was last year. When I went last year, it was way too overwhelming the lines to get in, the labyrinth of rooms at this conference center was crazy and, and you didn't even know where to go or how to get there. You needed a map and you'd ask people how to get to, you know, the Martin room or the PRS room or whatever. And it was uh, just way too overwhelming. But the online experience is fantastic. You can get to all of the rooms, all of the talks put on by the industry leaders and today I got to see David Gilmore of Pink Floyd. Wow. Talk about his new signature Martin guitar. Oh my gosh. 
So that is just a little sprinkling of experiences that you can have access to when you're part of the media at NAM. And so uh, I'm really looking forward to checking out additional presentations at NAM put on over the next few days. I think it starts actually officially tomorrow. And I just feel badly looking at this stuff without you. Well, yeah, I, you know, I, I wanted to go this year. If you remember me talking to you about it uh, last year, I was like, man, I'm jealous. So, Jason, what do we have coming up next? Uh, we have an interview with Jen McGowan. Yes, director of Rust Creek. I know you're not a big TV guy, but I know you do watch movies, so you got to check out Rust Creek. Yeah, I uh, saw the trailer to that, and it looks really good. It is. It's an excellent film. It's a tight thriller. It's very efficient in the way the story is told. It gets in. It just gets right to it, gets right to the story. And it's a lot of fun. And they call it a feminist thriller. Nice. And uh, the reason for that is the protagonist in the film is, uh, is female and she's a total badass. There's also some fun things that happen with the stereotypes that you think of when you think of like backwoods meth heads. And they take characters from, I think, Tennessee or um, I, th I think it was shot in Tennessee or Kentucky. But they take these characters and they kind of flip them a little bit. At least one of the characters really is totally someone you wouldn't expect in terms of how they behave and, and how that story unfolds. So it's a really fun movie. And Jen was great to share her story with us and talk about the making of that film and some other films that she's worked on, including Kelly and Cal, which is another great indie film. But now that Russ Creek has hit it so big on Netflix, Jen is actually a big-time director now. So she's no longer an indie film director. She's fielding all kinds of offers on bigger films, multi-million dollar films. Nice. But that'll be a fun one. Yeah. And from what I've previewed so far of the interview, it, uh, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a really good episode. Right on, Jason. Well, uh, it's good to chat with you from afar through this um, thing we call the interweb, cyber. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> looking forward to chatting again after the Jen McGowan interview. Me too. Thanks for inviting me, Brian. All right, brother. Talk to you later. Hey, thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If so, I have a favor to ask. Can you go to wherever you listen to podcasts and leave me a review? Your feedback is what keeps this podcast going. You can also check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook with the handle at DreamPathPod. And as always, go find your dream path. 